Welcome to episode three of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I am your host, Spencer Dirks, alongside my co-host, Dr. Bob Leonard. Dr. Bob, good to see you. Good to see you, Spencer. Spring has sprung. It's going to be about 80 degrees in Iowa today. It's going to be about 80 for the rest of the week. Normally, hope springs eternal, right? But for Democrats in Iowa, I think I speak for a lot of us. Where is the hope? We got absolutely shellacked the last time around. We have one statewide representative, and that's Rob Sand, the auditor, who is basically being neutered by the Iowa State House, or at least trying to be neutered by the Iowa State House and our representatives and senators and, of course, the governor. So, Dr. Bob, I need some optimism out of you. You've been a lifelong Democrat. You lived in Iowa for much of your life. Why should we be optimistic? Well, I think that the Republicans have overstepped. I mean, people will say that all the time. And the recent election, the Supreme Court election in Wisconsin, a shellacking of 10 points uh, against a MAGA candidate, against a very progressive candidate, where if we had one seat difference in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, that court may have overturned the election results switching Wisconsin, throwing out the electorate. And so it could have been cascading effects across the country in the in the 2020 election. So that was the biggest election of the year of 2023, and that came out very well. Policies on uh, abortion, people don't like that. You know, 60-some percent of Iowans want abortion at least allowed early. And we're hearing horror stories all of the time about women not getting access with bad health conditions, needing access, having terrible outcomes, few of them dying, lots and lots of problems. One woman I was reading about lost half of her blood. So Republicans are on. Even the Republicans are admitting that they're on the wrong political side of abortion, even though they insist that they're on the right moral side. Well, we can talk about that. but Yeah, we will definitely talk about that subject later on. Well, and then, you know, on, on guns, I mean, the Republicans are say, have finally admitted they're not going to do anything. And uh, people are coming out really hard. There's been like 143, 146 mass shootings this year. And what happened in Tennessee and Nashville, they're getting a lot of pushback. People don't like it. If you look at historical trends when this, there was the assault weapons ban, there weren't a lot, of course, not a lot of assault, not a lot of mass shootings. And it's just skyrocketed since then. It's the number one leading cause of death in children are gun deaths. And so they're on the wrong side of that issue as well. And people are starting to talk in real terms. I heard something where a Republican governor, somebody was saying, well, we're here to help. And one of the parents or somebody said, you want to you wash the brains off the wall? What do you want to help? You could have helped by ending this. And there's talk of the need to get more, to not make it abstract to people, to make it real. Because just one more shooting, the Republicans have been able to get by with that, saying it's all about the Second Amendment. It's just an excuse to do nothing. I do feel like the Republicans have overstepped the bounds. You mentioned abortion. I think Roe v. Wade may have been the fact that that was overturned by the Supreme Court may have been the worst thing to ever happen for the Republicans. Maybe not the worst thing, but I think they run on that. We're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and now that it's done, there is more severe pushback from the other side, so it's going to 
cause more Democrats to get out and vote, which is exactly what happened in the state of Wisconsin a few weeks ago. Also, school choice. That is not a very popular stance from the governor and most Republicans in the state. So trying to be optimistic, I think it is causing people to pay a little bit more attention now to what's happening in the state house in Iowa and also nationwide. And if anything, again, trying to be optimistic, this should push turnout for Democrats more than it would push turnout for Republicans when it comes to school choice, assault weapons bans, abortion choice, those sorts of things now seem to actually be on the Democrat side. Right. They're even oh saying, oh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is sneaking around to to sign a open carry law, that they're sort of hiding that. They're hiding that they're doing this stuff on guns. They're not on either the moral or the political right side of, of, of this. The things that they're doing with voting integrity, things that they're doing casting people off the voting rolls, that's a conservative Heritage Foundation ploy. It's like the Iowa Republicans just took what the Heritage Foundation wants them to do. They that's do literally what they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean... All of these bills are being written by out-of-state interests, basically. And the Heritage Foundation is bragging about its success right. in Iowa. So there's a lot. Yeah, there's we're lots kind of, of the reasons. blueprint for what they wish to expand to other states. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it's sort of it's marching across other states. I always, for some reason, I always see Arizona, Texas, and Florida. I mean, I see they're marching in lockstep with us. Arizona's risk with the Republicans. Arizona's resisting a little bit, but they're also tired of the drama, the lies, the disruption that comes with, uh, and the criminality that comes with Trump. I wrote a piece for Salon Magazine in, in 2015. I went on Trump's plane. I took him as a, as a viable candidate. The headline didn't come out like that, but I don't write the headlines. But business people then here in Marion County liked Trump and so I took him as a serious candidate. And I was actually optimistic because I thought no one could be a worse human being than Ted Cruz. <laughs> and I was wrong. Yeah. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. yeah. So that actually sort of leads me into the next topic. They're actually debating today in the Iowa Supreme Court about the fetal heartbeat law. Uh, Republican lawmakers passed the so-called fetal heartbeat law in 2018. It would ban nearly all abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy when the first cardiac impulses can be detected in an embryo. Courts blocked that law from ever taking effect. The Iowa Supreme Court ruled last summer that state constitution does not protect a fundamental right to an abortion. And the U.S. Supreme Court, of course, overturned Roe v. Wade. And that has caused Governor Reynolds to say, hey, well, now that you've ruled that it's not constitutional, can we now implement this fetal heartbeat law? Six weeks into pregnancy, that's from your last period. So many women may not even know that they are pregnant by the time they are technically six weeks pregnant. Even if they do, they have, what, a week or two maybe to decide, which is disgusting to me. But what are your thoughts on First of all, what do you think the Iowa Supreme Court is going to do? And then what do you think Governor Reynolds will do in response? Well, Governor Reynolds came out with a press release today cheering it on, wanting to, despite all the concern nationally about how abortion rulings are uh, going to hurt Republicans, she came out cheering for the fetal heartbeat ban. So we'll see what happens with the Supreme Court. I don't know the Supreme Court in Iowa that much or that well. I know we have some new justices I'm sure they're all conservative. Let's see what 
uh, not all of them probably there's some holdovers but we'll have to wait and see and it's hard to say how long they will deliberate right yeah again they are starting to discuss that today so there could be a decision as soon as today or tomorrow it may last several days or even weeks so obviously we'll keep you up to date on the iowa revolution podcast speaking of kind of abortion, women's rights. And first of all, I know that we're just two men blabbing, so who really cares about our opinion on abortion? But first and foremost, at least in my opinion, there is no equality in the U.S. without safe access to abortions. Absolutely. Period. I mean, that's as far as I really need to get into it. Right. I mean, nobody that I know that has had an abortion went into it lightly. They had deep thoughts, deep concerns, and uh, it was a, a decision that they felt they had to make, and I'm in no way going to judge them. Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd, she's our new Attorney General, speaking of, again, women's rights, victims' rights as well. We are not currently covering the cost of emergency contraception or abortions for Iowans who are victims of rape or sexual assault. That was reported by Natalie Krebs with Iowa Public Radio on April 7th. So that was not even anything that was actually announced. It was just sort of, like you said, in Florida, they're kind of doing it under the table. So it took a reporter to look into things. And they're saying that we're evaluating how this money is spent. And as of right now, if you're a rape or sexual assault victim, you have to pay for your own abortion or pay for your own Plan B or or whatever health outcomes that you need. And so who's that going to hurt the most? Poor people. Yeah. Just like everything hurts poor people most. And that's, I don't know, that's the purpose of it. The misery, the cruelty is part of the purpose. Right. It's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. And kids on food stamps, you know, pulling kids off food stamps, spending seven times more to monitor the program than it costs for the for the, for snap, the pro- yeah for the, for the snap, snap benefits yeah, right. yeah it's just yeah it's it's illogical so much of it is illogical and it's and part of it's driven again like something we've talked about before is that privatization trying to get let the private sector pick our pockets the school choice reinforcing republican ideologies but some of it like against children i mean i think that during the pandemic when we had all kids getting fed at school. It seems like that's a no-brainer. We need to feed kids at school. And why do you want kids to have worse outcomes in their education? It's like they're guaranteeing, by, t- by doing this with SNAP, they're guaranteeing worse outcomes for kids. Now they're saying, well, that's the parents' fault. Well, you know, most people are working. Most people are, wor- are working one, two, or three jobs and can't even make it because of the gross inequalities in income across the country where all the resources are sucked up the supply chain, essentially, and people can't make it. You can't make it on 15 bucks an hour. And, you know, on the minimum wage is what, still seven fifty. Nobody's right. paying that anymore. But it doesn't make any sense. It makes sense if you want destruction, if you want misery, if you want government not to work. You don't, they don't want Medicaid to work. They don't want Medicare to work. They don't want anything to work. Also, that the wealthiest among us don't have to pay as much in taxes. Because they've earned that money, right? 
Right. Donald Trump earned that money. He had a small gift, a small inheritance from his father in the low millions. Right. This is the Iowa Revolution podcast. I am Spencer Dirks alongside Dr. Bob Leonard. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Iowa Revolution. We'll get to that in just a moment as well. You can also email us iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. It's time for some cock talk. Talking caucuses here on the Iowa Revolution podcast. A little bit of a quiet week, uh, really kind of a quiet couple of weeks here in Iowa. Not a whole lot of activity with visitors to the state, although Nikki Haley is back in the state of Iowa. She was in Sioux City on Monday, on Tuesday, which is when we're recording. She's in Denison, Storm Lake, and Fort Dodge, and she's joined by U.S. Representative Randy Feenstra, and then on Wednesday, tomorrow, she'll be in Des Moines, and I know you're planning on seeing her in Des Moines tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see. There hasn't been a call for anyone to request press passes. A respected journalist that's a friend of mine says that the the Haley campaign has declined her interviews. And so we'll see. I'll probably just see what looks best. I'll wander in with the crowd and see what I can get away with and learn. I mean, it's sometimes they'll exclude the media, sometimes not. But there wasn't an opportunity to get a press pass, so I'll just go in as a citizen. But I'll see. You know, I think Nikki Haley for a long time looked like a viable alternative to wackiness. Right. And disruption, but she's just got all caught up in it. She's on every side of every issue. I don't I don't know. Well, let's see what she comes across. It's not until you see these people in person that you recognize how serious or not they are. I really had sort of bought the media narrative on DeSantis. But when I saw him in Des Moines speaking to over a thousand people, they loved him. Yeah. We'll see Nikki Haley's crowd, you know. It's going to be interesting. I haven't met her before. We also have another visitor in the state, Asa Hutchinson. Uh, We talked about him a little bit. He is the former Arkansas governor. He'll be campaigning in Iowa over the next week as well. And you mentioned that Asa Hutchinson is a little bit more of a moderate, hopefully a little bit of an off-ramp to Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, but he probably has no chance, (laughs) you know? Well, yeah, he probably has no chance, but... You never know. I mean, a lot of people enter these kinds of races with, you know, virtually no recognition. And then as Iowans get to know them, they start moving up in the polls. And once Iowans get to know them, once they're here before the caucuses, then the media has to pay attention to them. And so it's this reinforcing thing. We'll see what Iowans think of Asa Hutchinson. I haven't seen him yet. He's sort of an old-fashioned Republican. He has the courage to, well, he doesn't have a job, so he doesn't, you know, it doesn't really mean anything, but he at least says Donald Trump should get out. Now, Donald Trump isn't picking on him yet, and he's not going to. It's in Donald Trump's best interest. The more people that are in the race, Yes, he should be inviting everybody That's right. Yeah. So the only one he's really picking on now is Ron DeSantis. And uh, it's interesting, DeSantis was polling better than Trump, but since the indictment in Manhattan, Trump has started polling up a little bit, and there's some conversation I've been hearing about whether or not Trump's numbers are coming from independents. They don't think so. They think they're coming from DeSantis back to Trump. So we'll see how that goes. One thing we've got to remember is that this is the first indictment. There's going to be another and another and another. And are Republicans going to follow Donald Trump to jail? 
sooner or later, they're going to bail. Well, and there might be infighting as well. We mentioned in the last podcast that Mike Pence is now able to be subpoenaed to talk about what happened prior to January 6th, his actual personal conversations with Donald Trump. Trump is still trying to fight that subpoena, but that's not good for the Republican Party either. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of infighting going on between, you would imagine, those are probably the top three candidates, although DeSantis and Pence both have not officially declared that they're going to run for the presidential nomination. But as as it stands right now, it does seem like it's Trump, DeSantis, and Pence fighting for the nomination. Yeah, it's still so early. We'll have to see. What it's going to take is somebody has to step in and say, we've got to cut the court. All they have to say is, let the courts have their say. Are they going to do it across all the courts? Is every court crooked? Is everything politically motivated? What's the evidence? That's what really matters. And the further they follow Donald Trump, the harder it is to come back to being a real Republican Party again, which we need. There's nothing wrong with having an old-fashioned Republican Party. I mean, they they were competitive in elections. And it was, I think, it's a lot better for the country. I don't want a Republican to win, but I'd rather have anybody. But for the sake of our country, I'd rather have anybody than Donald Trump. Because when he comes back in, if he were to get back in, if he were somehow to escape any charges and he were back in, he would do anything he wanted to do. He would blow up the country. The Republican National Committee doesn't seem like they have much power to do anything either. We saw in the primary process for the Democrats last time, it did seem like there was too many chefs in the kitchen. Democratic National Committee decided we got to rally behind Biden. We got to pick somebody right now and the rest of you are dropping out. And that's basically what happened. But Trump has been so successful at bending the will of the Republican National Committee and most rank and file members of the Republican Party that there is no leadership. You've said that we need somebody to come out and say, somebody powerful enough to say enough. Trump, you're done, we're moving on. We're giving your delegates to DeSantis or whoever it is. But I don't envision that happening. I don't see him giving up ever. Right. And what would happen is that if somebody, when some, it has to be somebody without a job, because if it's somebody with a job that's running again for a governor or a senator or whatever, they'll be primaried from the right. It's right. going to take somebody like Chris Christie who can get down and dirty with Trump. And knows Trump personally, worked for Trump in the past. And he can say, we've had enough, enough of your disruption. It's time to move on. And so if you'll remember back in 2016, there were a lot of different Republican candidates and and their fortunes would rise and fall on the poll. I remember when Newt Gingrich was leading the polls. I remember when Ted Cruz was leading the polls. Marco Rubio. Right. Right. And even Herman Cain was leading the poll. And so it was this polar coaster week after week after week and then they you know then they all beat each other up trump only got if i'm remembering right 25% of the vote in the iowa caucuses right. 25% because it was so spread out yeah. and so if they do it again the same kind of thing could well happen unless somebody maybe somebody like christie needs to run interference for desantis or vice versa maybe that's what desantis is doing now running 
interference, you know, like roller derby out front with the elbows. Or the, yeah, right. You know, so I don't know. But I don't think that, that it's that well planned. Uh, your friend, my imaginary friend, Art Cullen, I hope to be his friend one day. He also mentioned, we also mentioned this in the last podcast, uh, Doug Burns had written about Kim Reynolds' prospects nationwide, possibly being a vice presidential candidate. Art Cullen has now said he thinks that that's what she's wrangling for. What are your thoughts on her? I know you have said that she has a great resume to to be a national Republican figure, but is she the person that, whether it's DeSantis, Trump, or whoever, is going to ride or die with? Well, it's interesting. I think that she does have an outstanding record from a Republican view. People admire her. She's gotten things done like no other governor, probably including DeSantis. And so in that way, she's been very successful and and uh, she's become ruthless. So she would be a likely running mate for anybody. But Barry Piott, who's, and I've said that, Art Cullen has said that, Doug Burns has said that, but Barry Piott, who's watched the Washington, D.C. scene for many, many years, he says the problem with that is that Kim Reynolds has nothing to offer after Iowa. We don't have very many electoral votes, so there's lots of better choices than her. Time for a little bit of a wider scope on the Iowa Revolution podcast. We mentioned that we would get to talking about Elon Musk. If you are a Substack user or a Substack reader, you may have noticed that over the weekend, Substack links would take you to a page that said this may be harmful. I'm not exactly sure what all the verbiage was, but basically just, hey, beware, this might not be a good link, which of course was horseshit. It was just because Elon Musk, and I just saw Substack sent us an email today about their Notes app, has been released. So Elon Musk wants Twitter to be the only place, basically, where writers have an outlet and he can just gather up all the money, whereas Substack is a competitor in his mind. So the only explanation for that happening is that Elon Musk or somebody higher up at Twitter said, let's squash this. Yeah, they did. They had to. It didn't last more than a day, I, I think. I think it was maybe Saturday and Sunday or something, yeah. then Monday we woke up and it was fine again. Yeah. And I uh, used notes for the first time today, and yep. it was very interesting. Substack is a very welcoming community where the better the writer does, the better Substack does, and vice versa. It's a whole different model. And so I got into notes today, and I saw an interesting post on linguistics. And so I got into discussion with a linguist, some other people chimed in, and it was all this really productive discussion, no trolls. It was no <laughs> trolls. Right. It was remarkable. Yeah, you're actually having a conversation and not having to dust people off as you're trying to have a conversation about something that you actually enjoy. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's not people about. chiming in and saying, you dumbass, why are you interested in linguistics? It's so stupid. Right. You know, like, I'm interested because I'm interested well, and, and the thing, too, about Substack is as media, especially in rural America, as our newspapers dry up, the newsletters from Substack, like the people in the Iowa's Writers Collaborative, they're stepping in the void. And the Iowa Capital Dispatch is picking up some of us. So there's information flowing that as our newspapers um, increasingly fail to offer commentary and cut reporters, it's 
it's filling that void. And this is a fascinating thing to, to watch. And it's fascinating to be a part of it, too. Yeah, Substack is just such a wide breadth of information, too, because you get actual hard-hitting news, people that are at the state house or people that are reporting from their hometown, but then you also get people that are experts in linguistics or people that are just interested in writing, whether it's poetry or fiction. It's just a wider breadth of what you would probably see on most other social media platforms. If you want to call Substack a social media platform, but now with this Notes app, I think they are trying to push, trying to compete a little bit with the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world to get their writers and podcasters, etc., more eyeballs, more ears. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. But we're in a new age, a new age. And I just thought of something today, and I want to say it somewhere before somebody else says it. <laughs> We've heard in the past about digital natives, the kids that never have been not around the Internet. We're now coming up to a point where every baby born now is now an AI native artificial intelligence native and that's just a whole new world that they're going to you know end up owning it is interesting because iowa revolution is the name of our podcast we did not select that from chat gpt but we did ask chat gpt to come up with the name of a podcast you know based in iowa left-leaning we gave it some keywords and it came back with some pretty good examples. I also saw a headline today about preachers are kind of pushing back on chat GPT because you could write a sermon with chat GPT. You can pretty much do anything. We have somebody that interns with you specifically. She doesn't really intern with me, although she was, you know, worked part-time at the radio station for a while. And we asked her about chat GPT and all of her classmates use chat GPT to basically cheat on their homework. And I've also heard that professors and teachers are using ChatGPT to come up with their questions and, you know, their lesson plans. So both sides are using AI. Well, and the best example to me is I taught some of our sales guys how to use it. Yeah. How to write, you know, I, you know, I typed in write a 30-second ad for X right. saying, you know, Y and Z. And it's producing better ads than our guys can write. But the best part of that is, you know, some of them write very good ads and they really enjoy it. But the ones that don't, this is heaven sent because then they don't have to work so hard on the ad. It's a better ad and then they can service their clients better. Right. I mean, so it's a win, win, win. So in those kinds of situations, I think it's particularly valuable. I don't think it's valuable to help you cheat on the 10-page paper you have to write. (laughs) No, probably not. I don't think it is at all, actually. It's just being introduced now, but can you imagine what it's going to be in 10, 15 years from now when kids that are born today are in middle school and high school? How, how is that even going to work? We don't know. Is the question. <laughs> we don't know. No. But see, the thing is, you can stand in the way of technology and say, no, no, no. Or you can say, all right, let's work with it. What's a good use for this? Yeah, so I think we have to work with it. We, there's, you've never been able to stand, people have never been able to stand in the way of good technology. It's time for what's good. We need some good news. I mentioned spring has sprung. It's gorgeous outside, beautiful sunny skies. Haven't had to worry about any severe weather. Doesn't look like we're going to have to worry about any severe weather over the course of the next week or so. Baseball has started. Baseball is back. Thank God. With the time clock? I was just going to say, there's a few new rules this year, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. First of all, who 
who do you like? I'm not even sure if if I know who your favorite baseball team is. I'm a Twins fan, by the way. Well, born in Britain. I went to grad school in Seattle, and so I've oh Mariners. I've liked the Mariners. I was there when Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. was there, and that was nice. I've always been a St. Louis fan, though I grew up listening to St. Louis on the radio, and I, I've, you know, I've been to games, so I'm a St. Louis fan. So three major new rule changes this year. They've gotten rid of the shift, which means that you can only have two infielders on each side of second base. They also have to be standing on the infield dirt. They can't be standing in the outfield, which should benefit hitters a little bit more. You mentioned the clock. We have a pitching clock now, first time that that's ever been introduced in Major League Baseball. They have tried it out in Minor League Baseball over the past few years, and then they also made the bases larger. And the average length of a game has dropped by about a half hour. I think it was about three hours and eight minutes last year, and it's right about two uh, two hours and 38 minutes now, which is the shortest average length for an MLB game since 1981, so over 40 years. I also want to mention that MLB in their, like, 1899 rule book or whatever they didn't use a clock but it does say that you only have like 30 seconds to make a pitch it wasn't this infinite thing where you can just take however much time you want it was still at least assume like hey let's get this going you can't just walk around the mound grab some rosin put your hat on and off for 10 times and then when you're comfortable make a pitch so in my opinion it's all great. What are have you watched any baseball yet this year? Have you noticed the difference? I haven't watched the game. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of figured that that was the answer that was coming. I have, of course, and I love the new rules. I don't really know. I do know um, our bug guy Scott, who's our bug guy at the radio station, and also helps out with our mouse problem at our house. Make sure that the mice uh, don't get anywhere near our house. He's a huge baseball fan, huge LA Dodgers fan, and he is not a huge fan of the rules. He is very much a traditionalist, I think. But that's the only person I've heard, whether it's personally or through media, radio, podcast, that I've heard that really doesn't like the new rules. I think, ideally, the game should be as long as a, as a good movie. Right. I mean, that's how I can invest that much time. But movies don't have the distractions, you know, that the game does, you know, all the ads that they need. But so it's too easy for me to get up from my chair and walk away and do something else if it's a long game. Yeah, and that's why I think the pitch clock does help because you can't just be surfing along on your phone for too long without actually possibly missing something now. Whereas before, you could be on your phone for five minutes and you don't really miss a whole lot, you know. Right. Now what we need is like some new sensation in baseball like Caitlin Clark or, you know, something to draw everybody to the game. Well, I think there's a problem, too, because the two biggest stars in baseball are probably Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is the new Babe Ruth. He can, he's one of the best pitchers in the game and also one of the best hitters in the game, which is effing crazy. Their problem is they play for a crap team. Mm-hmm. They play for the L.A. Angels. So two of your biggest stars haven't even been to the playoffs and probably won't make the playoffs this year. And as long as they're with the Angels, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. So that's a huge issue, I think, with baseball is in football and in like pro basketball, LeBron James is always going to be in the playoffs. Even this year, the L.A. Lakers are not very good, but they're in the playoffs. 
in football, Patrick Mahomes is always going to be in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, except for maybe one year or two years. You know, they're, every single year, your best players are going to make the playoffs, probably make a deep run and get to a championship game. Baseball is just a different sport. You can't really depend on one guy because in baseball you have a lineup and you can't just say that is one rule that I think would be cool is just have like a magic batter where you could just select who you want to have batting in the bottom of the ninth. Like instead of just say, okay, the next guy due up is our seventh hitter. We'll know in the ninth inning you can select where you want your lineup to start so I can have my second, third, and fourth hitters or wherever I want to start. That would be really interesting. That'd be fun. Maybe that's the next rule change. Maybe I'll turn in, tune in during the night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See the best players. Uh, more good news. The WNBA draft was held uh, on Monday night, last night. Stephanie Suarez of ISU was selected fourth by the Washington Mystics. She was subsequently traded to the Dallas Wings. Ashley Jones, who is kind of my relation, we'll get to that in a minute. She is also an Iowa State grad. She was selected 19th. And she's also going to be a Dallas wing. So two former Cyclones will team up down in Dallas, which is pretty cool. And then Monica Zanano was selected 26th by the L.A. Sparks. So Monica will be heading out west to play for one of the elite franchises in the WNBA. So three different collegiate athletes from the state of Iowa all drafted in first, second, and third round of the WNBA draft that happened on Monday night. So only 36 total players were selected. So a ninth of all the players selected were from Iowa or Iowa State. And if Caitlin Clark could have come out, she certainly would have been a top two or three pick. So, Yeah, who was the number one pick? Do you recall? Aaliyah Boston, who actually won the Women's National Player of the Year last year. She beat Caitlin Clark out for the award last year, and then Caitlin Clark beat her for the National Player of the Year this year. So Aaliyah Boston is also a former Collegiate National Player of the Year. She played for South Carolina. I think South Carolina had like three women selected in the top nine or ten picks. So it's still incredible that the Iowa women beat South Carolina. They had ridiculous amounts of talent. And then, and now that we're all instantaneously women's <laughs> basketball fans, I'm going to have to see if uh, when the women's games, when the pro games are on and yeah. watch some of those. Yep, those usually start up right around the time the NBA season starts to wind down. So it's more of a summer league. So it starts, I think, in June or July because the NBA playoffs, the finals happen in June. So it is interesting. All the players I just named, Leah Boston and Stephanie Suarez, and, I mean, obviously I knew Ashley Jones. I didn't even really know Monica Zanano all that well three years ago. And now I literally watched most of the WNBA draft last night and knew most of the players, which I never would have thought that that would happen, to be quite honest. So what happened is there's another piece of the world that you intellectualize to make your life richer. Yeah, exactly. It's something new to get into. It's something new to distract me and, and have fun with. And they're awesome basketball players, too. And they're awesome personalities, too. So it is nice to, yeah, kind of open yourself into a different world with new personalities and different players. Just and keep I learning. And I mentioned Ashley Jones. I am sort of related to her. My sister was at, they had a watch party at a restaurant in Cedar Rapids last night. Ashley Jones is actually my sister's niece. So my sister's uh, husband is her uncle. So yeah, I've been around the Jones clan for a lot of my life. Heather and Kevin have been married for they got married actually right around when I came down to Knoxville, so about 15 years now. 
So you can probably get an autograph. Oh, I could probably easily get an autograph. So yeah, she went to Iowa City High. So yeah, she's an Iowa City girl. Um, they actually grew up in Solon, I believe. And yeah, all the Jones daughters in that family have been very successful. Ashley's older sister went to Illinois to play collegiately. Then her younger sister played at Iowa State. I don't think she actually plays basketball anymore. And then there's another one in the pipeline still in high school. She plays for another one of the sisters at West Liberty, where one of the Jones sisters is the coach, and then one of them is still in high school playing for her sister. Yeah, Jones all over the place. Small world. All sorts of good news. It is time for my top five. First of all, I guess, is there anything else that you would like to mention that we did not get to, Dr. Bob? I just, There's a whole lot of stuff to get to today, I feel like. I just am hopeful. As a Democrat, I'm hopeful. And the whole victimization stuff that the Republicans are doing is just, it's starting to fall apart for them and what Donald Trump is doing. I'm just hopeful. I just hope that our young people that are out there, they're engaged, and I think that things are looking pretty bright for Democrats. Yeah, now all the Republicans are shitting their britches because they're afraid that they're losing young voters. Typically, as people grow up, they become more conservative, and that has not happened with Gen Z and a lot of millennials. And they're saying it's because, like, I don't know if you saw Scott Walker, the former Wisconsin governor, said that they're being indoctrinated and we have to do something about this. And it's like, no, we just don't like you. We're just not interested in what you're trying to sell us anymore because we know it's a crock of shit. Well, right. And it doesn't happen to every person once they get young and then get older because what completely... I'm sort of actually a Dwight Eisenhower (laughs) (laughs) conservative in the sense I like... In the sense that I think that we should be building things and I don't care who's sleeping with who. Right. And I'm sort of like that. And when, when Ronald Reagan came... And I saw him lying about so much. It was just like there was... That's the end of truth for the Republican Party. It was all spin, not truth anymore. Yeah, now it's just mythologizing. Yeah, yeah. And so, no, so I'm hopeful. All right, time for my top five. You have made me more hopeful. Thank you for this weekly therapy session we call the (laughs) Iowa Revolution podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter at Iowa Revolution. You can email us, Pod at gmail.com. We've gotten a really good response so far from a lot of you that have listened, so keep listening. We're going to keep making these things as long as we possibly can and possibly expand it out. We're doing one episode per week, and we've discussed a little bit maybe doing two episodes a week, so we'll see if and when that happens. It's time for my top five. This week is top five movie twists. Top five movie twists. So we'll see if Dr. Bob even knows any of these movies. By the way, spoiler alert, if you've not seen any of these movies, sorry, <laughs> but they're, none of these are new movies. I'll put it that way. So if you've not seen it yet, tough shit. Top five, movie twists. Number five is The Others. I haven't seen it. <laughs> what a surprise. The Others stars Nicole Kidman, and the twist is basically the entire movie, you think that they live in a haunted house. This takes place back in World War One. Nicole Kidman is a war widow. She has two young children and she has these people move in with her that, you know, like a maid and a housekeeper and a groundskeeper. And then at the end you find out that they are all the ghosts and they are the ones that are haunting the living people. Good. Sounds a little bit sixth sense-ish. 
Well, don't... <laughs> don't spoil... Okay. So The Others is number five. Number four is, I know you have not seen this, Saw. You couldn't pay me to see Saw. To see Saw. <laughs> you could pay me to see Saw, but not see Saw. So, Jesse was the same way. I got her to watch it, and she loved it. Because Saw, I don't think, as it goes on, the series does get much more gruesome and into, like, people call it torture porn, where it really is just watching people be subject to awful things. The first one, though, is more of, like, a detective-type story. And the big twist is there's a dead body in the middle of the room. These two guys are chained there in that room. And... The dead guy is actually not dead. He wakes up, gets up, and slams the door. And you find out that the dead guy in the middle of the room was actually the person that set up this whole quote-unquote game. Have you ever seen number three, The Prestige? You've never heard of The Prestige? No. It was one of Christopher Nolan's first big movies. Never heard of him either. He directed The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Like the bat, the new sure. Batman trilogy. Uh, the Prestige is about two magicians. You would love it. Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman play mm -hmm. competing magicians. I like those guys. And the big twist at the end is that Christian Bale, one of his big tricks was the transported man, where he would bounce a ball, he would hide into a cabinet, then he would come out a cabinet on the other side of the stage and catch the ball. And then you find out that he's a twin. But he keeps that hidden throughout his entire life, basically. So, just shows the magicians. That's sort of cheating. It is, a little <laughs> bit. But it was such a good movie. Cheating, but it also does show you the lengths that magicians will go to hide how they do what they do. It also has an appearance of David Bowie playing Nikola Tesla, which, who doesn't want to see that? All right, that's number three. Number two is, you spoiled it, <laughs> The Sixth Sense. You've seen The Sixth Sense, correct? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Of course, Bruce Willis is dead. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's the twist. Yeah, that was a twist. M. Night Shyamalan's greatest movie, I think. Yes, agree. And he's done a lot of good movies. Mm -hmm. Written a lot of good movies. I like a lot of his movies. Unbreakable was a good movie. Have you ever seen Devil? That's a good movie, too. It also has a twist at the end. He didn't direct it, but I think he wrote and produced it. But anyway, yeah. Excellent, excellent movie. Number one, any guess what my pick for the biggest twist of all time is? No clue. The Usual Suspects. Have you ever seen The Usual Suspects? No. Of course. So you've, not, so you've seen one of my top five yeah. biggest movie twists. Yeah, I'm your, your straight guy. Your straight man. Well, The Usual Suspects, uh, all I really have to say is Kaiser Soze. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you've not seen it yet, make sure you go and see it because it is excellent. Kevin Spacey is excellent in it. It's got a great kind of ensemble cast. I don't know why I'm... I actually go to quite a few movies. You know that. I come, yeah. I come to work and tell you about it. I was going to say, but... you actually go out and go to the movie theater quite often. But I avoid and these ones are all that... like, you know, 90s, 2000s. Like, these are all in your prime movie-watching days. Well, I don't know. Most things are <laughs> after my prime, that's Spencer. Probably, yeah. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Another good place to end it. Dr. Bob, thank you so much. Again, I appreciate you 
making me a little bit more optimistic as a Democrat in Iowa. Hopefully you made our listeners a little bit more optimistic as well. And I've learned I need to see more movies. You do. I think everybody does. Especially after the pandemic, we're actually starting to get some more good movies that are coming out soon. Uh, this is the Iowa Revolution podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. You can also email us, iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. Have a great week. Go Democrats. Wow, 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 wow,